Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading the airport, right? Yeah, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now. I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra $0.25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a $0.25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR. NBA fans, welcome back to another episode of Full Court Press. I'm your host, Nick Smith, uh, and with me, as always, is Joel and Jawan. What's up, Joel? What's up? Uh, nothing much, man. Just excited, excited to break my my uh, my LeBron discoveries, uh, break that conversation wide open. I, I can't wait. Mm-hmm. Um, Jawan, what's good, man? What's going on? Stop trying to take good things away from the Knicks, Nick. <laughs> hey, man, I'm just saying, but for for those of you wondering what that is in response to, I asked uh, Jawan and Joel before the, before the show started if uh, if in the off season they'd be willing to trade Neil Aquina for uh, Dennis Schroeder. Um, and they both came at me with a resounding no and basically told me to fuck <laughs> off. <laughs> so um, I'm just saying, Dennis is having a great year, and Nilakina is is still really young. He's the second youngest player in the NBA. So I don't think, like, mm-hmm. I think you have to consider that. Um, but I just think that uh, he has definitely not played as well as I thought he would so so far this season. Um, really nice that, defense, that doesn't mean though. that he won't pick it up, you know, go in the second half of the season. Like that's totally a possibility. And if he does, then that conversation to me is is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, as far as you His know, defense though, what, also what Knicks management would. They, no, that's why. That's why I, that's why I love teach, him. Man. Yeah. 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 Well, I, here's the thing. I just think that like if it, I wouldn't even necessarily want him unless the Hawks drafted Doncic. But if the Hawks drafted Doncic and could find a way to get Neil Aquina for Schroeder, I would do it in a heartbeat because you would have two guys with seven-foot wingspans guarding the perimeter. Doncic is just a ridiculously uh, talented offensive presence, uh, which kind of masks Neil Aquina's um, uh, lack of offense. Um, And they both can run the point. And I think in a league where – I think dual point guard is kind of is going to be the way the league starts to trend. Um, I think you're going to see a lot more teams playing two point guards. Um, so if you can get two point guards who have seven foot wingspans, like, and just pair that with whoever you have in the front court, like, uh, 
I don't know. I just think that there would be a lot of um, uh, a lot of upside to that. But uh, but nevertheless, I, I completely understand why you would um, want to keep Neil Aquino. I mean, I feel like it, it, who knows if he's going to pan out, but his his ceiling is high. Is, I be, I believe personally is higher than Dennis Schroeder's because um, he's just a lot younger and he's still up in the air as far as what you're going to get. So, um, but yep. I will say this: if you have if you had Dennis Schroeder on this team, you would undoubtedly be a playoff team. Like if you have Schroeder, uh, Courtney Lee's playing great this year. I know Hardaway's been banged up some, but Porzingis and um, Cantor, like that's a playoff team, no doubt about it in my mind. Um, well, Schroeder does but, do what we need. <laughs> well, I, you would know that better than I would. Um, I mean, he, he's <laughs> yeah, a he's, sure. He's kind of a to me. He's kind of a poor man's um, like Kyrie or It in the fact that he he's best at driving to the bucket um, right. and and like he's got exactly a great first step. Um, but his his shooting, while pretty good, he was particularly good last year in the playoffs. Um, and his his shooting isn't terrific, but it's not bad. Like he, he's definitely not like a Ricky Rubio. Um, he's a, he's a pretty good shooter, um, and he and he's a he's I think he's even a better passer than what his stats um, than what his stats lay out because Atlanta's just so bad this year. Um, but nevertheless, yeah. let's get into the topics. We've spent five minutes talking about uh, <laughs> trading our, our point guards, um, <laughs> so I want I want I want to get started. Um, I've kind of pumped this up uh, a lot over the past several days. Um, so I, I, I'm going to take y'all down a rabbit hole with me, um, because, you know, this is, this is part of what I do when I delve into, um, all of my different mock trades and different stuff. So this is, this is like, we're leading off the show with, with a hot take. LeBron James knows exactly where he's going to go this off season. Um, so for lack of suspense, I'm just going to tell you the team, and then I'll tell you all the inner workings of how this is going to happen. He's going to Houston. Next year, LeBron James will be a member of the Houston Rockets. Um, so let me explain how this all works. First things first, I want to take you back to June 28th of last year. Chris Paul is traded to Houston. Now, that was something that had been in the works for quite some time. Um, and the story, the narrative, and it came out of nowhere. Like, when we heard, like, Chris Paul's traded to Houston, it wasn't like there was any rumblings about it. It was just like, boom, it happened. Um, but we know, the, like, the way the NBA works behind the scenes, that that was being negotiated and, and you know, picked apart and talked about and everything else. So uh, the, I think the biggest thing about that trade doesn't get talked about at all because it happened so fast. And so when it happened, it was like, oh, my God, can you believe Chris Paul is going to be uh, you know, on the Rockets? And then the narrative quickly shifted to is Chris Paul going to play well with James Harden? Like, it's like it, it overnight, like there was like a shift straight to that narrative. And that's been the story for, you know, all the way up until actually very recently until they finally like shared the court together for – you know, a couple weeks before Harden went down. And, you know, the answer as far as from the small sample size that we've gotten is a resounding yes. They actually play very well together. 
Um, but I think the biggest thing that gets overlooked in this whole narrative is just how Chris Paul has changed the game for free agency. Um, Chris Paul electing to opt in to his contract if the Clippers moved him to the team that he wanted to be traded to, that is an amazing amount of power that an NBA player now has. And Chris Paul has paved the way for other NBA players to do so. And that transitions me back to LeBron James. That is exactly what LeBron James is going to do. He's going to go to Kobe Altman, and he's going to say, look, I will opt in if you trade me to Houston. Now, if you look at Houston's roster and who they have on the books next season, uh, they have only, uh, let's see, eight players on the books going into next season. They have James Harden, obviously not trading James Harden. They have Ryan Anderson. The Cavs aren't going to take Ryan Anderson. Like, nobody nobody wants Ryan Anderson. Um, however, if you add up the other six players on their roster, Eric Gordon at $13.5 million, P.J. Tucker at just about $8 million, Nene at $3.6 million, Troy Williams, uh, Shinanu Onuaku, and Jao Kui all at about $1.4 to $1.5 million, that tallies up to about $29.6 million. Now, uh, if you're trading to get somebody in the NBA, you have to, you have to, you can only take back 125% of the amount of salary you're sending out. LeBron James's player option next year is $35.6 million. Take $29.6 million, you multiply that by 1.25 or 125% of that is $37 million. You add up all those players, they basically equal the amount that you would need as far as salary to uh, bring in LeBron James. I think not only did Chris Paul know he was going, as soon as Chris Paul made the decision that he was going to go to Houston, that changed everything. Uh, Daryl, when he got there, I think he told Daryl Morey, look, construct this lineup so that you have the pieces to trade for LeBron in the offseason. Um, and I think this whole thing has been in construction since Chris Paul made that decision, and possibly even longer than that. Um, I don't think Chris Paul knew he was going to go to Houston, but the Banana Boat crew has always wanted to play together. And Chris Paul is the smartest um, basketball player in the NBA as it pertains to just numbers and, and things of that nature. So I think that's always been the thing. He picked Houston knowing that Daryl Morey would work with him as far as money and as far as um, work together as far as getting the pieces in place in order to do so. Now, if, if you're the Cavs and, Kobe, uh, and you're Kobe Altman and LeBron comes to you and says, I'll opt in if you trade me to Houston, like, I mean, what are you going to do? Like, just be like, no, I'm not doing that. Okay, well, then I'll go to Philly or I'll go to Los Angeles. Like, LeBron has other options that he can use to basically be like, you know, I, like, it, it's not – if you want to call my bluff, fine, but I'm not – I'm going somewhere. So, might as well get return for me. You get back Eric, Eric Gordon, who is a very, very tradable piece at $13.5 million. P.J. Tucker, another player like that. Um, Nene, he's really old, so I'm not sure how much value he, he has on the trade market, but $3.6 million, that ain't bad. Um, Troy Williams, Oniwaku, and Jao Kui 
really just there to make the money work. Um, and then I think it probably takes two first-rounders, so a 2019 first-rounder and a 2021 first-rounder. Maybe not the 21, though. I don't know. Um, but easily their 2019 first-rounder to go along with that. Would you rather lose LeBron James for nothing, or would you rather get Eric Gordon, P.J. Tucker, Nene, and a first-rounder or two? Um, I think that's exactly what's going to happen. Um, and as far as constructing the rest of the lineup, well, two things here. One, I think this is also why the Rockets haven't uh, uh, re-signed Capella yet. They're going to re-sign Capella. Um, but the reason that they didn't offer an, an extension in the offseason is because they didn't want anybody else to be on the table um, as far as the Cavs to say, well, we won't do it if we don't get this guy. So Capella is not on the table. Like, he hasn't signed an extension. So that would take a sign and trade. Um, and they, you know, basically they, would, they could just be like, well, Capella is not going to do that, so that's not an available option. Um, so once they make that trade and they get LeBron James, you got uh, the only three people you then have on your roster are Harden, James, and Anderson. You re-sign Chris Paul. You re-sign Clint Capella. You re-sign Trevor Ariza. Um, those are the, the core six guys that will be their roster. Uh, I think you definitely try to re-sign Bob Mute. Tarek Black makes sense. Gerald Green makes sense. Essentially any, any guys that you can get at the minimum. Uh, and then you offer a taxpayer mid-level, mid-level exception to Dwayne Wade, which would be about $5.4 million. Uh, so, you know, D-Wade can join the bunch. I think Mello, there's no way he opts out. Like, he's not leaving $27 million on the table. But I think he'll go there the year after, um, and they can offer him the mid-level exception the following year of $5.7 million in 1920. Um, and for the 2019-2020 season. Um, so, yeah, LeBron James, he's going to Houston. What say you, Jawan, about my evidence, and do you, do you, think, do you think this is going to happen? Um, I could see it happening. Um, I just – my biggest thing about LeBron, uh, you know, leaving Cleveland is I just – I'm wondering why he would ever want to go west. Like, you know, to play you, with James Harden and Chris Paul, brother. No, no, no. That 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 I understand, but I'm saying I still don't know if I could just it would definitely go 7 games, but I would still honestly take Golden State in that series. Um, no, and I'm not saying you wouldn't, but it moves the needle. Right. Like I don't, I think does. people make make too much about um, they make too much about you know playing in the West versus playing in the East. Like your goal is to win an NBA mm-hmm. championship, and right. LeBron's chances of winning an NBA championship in Houston with that roster are way better than his chances with Cleveland and anything else they bring in. LA to me is just it's there's those guys are just too young. So like he's he's uh, uh I don't I don't think he's gonna go to LA and then in Philly like you just injury concerns like you just don't know so I think Houston is by far the best team I will throw this out there though another interesting team to be a team to me would be Minnesota because um, he could essentially do the same thing and say trade me to Minnesota for um, uh, essentially like Cole Aldridge uh, has an expiring contract next year and Andrew Wiggins. 
and then he could play with Jimmy Butler and Carl Anthony Towns. Um, but I, I don't think he has any interest in doing that. I think he wants to play with the Banana Boat crew and James Harden. But anyway, I'm sorry. Go ahead yeah. uh, with your thoughts. No, you're good. Uh, yeah, no, that's definitely the, like, if you had to look around at the best, like, situation for you, Houston is definitely the best situation. Um, it definitely makes sense that he'd want to go there. Um, I'm just trying to see that. Chris Paul, LeBron James, James Harden. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And you that, get to that, keep that, that Trevor Reza. You get to you get to keep Clint Capella. Um, you have to keep Ryan and Anderson because no one's taking him. And, um, yeah, no one's taking that. You, you might have to, you know, just realize you're stuck with him. Um, yeah. Also, if you're Cleveland, you know, that then makes things somewhat easier. You re-sign Isaiah in the offseason, and that's a respectable team, especially in the East. Um, See, I, mean, I think you tear it down takes... if you're Cleveland. I don't think you re-sign you Isaiah. Because, yeah, honestly, because here's the thing. If you re-sign Isaiah Thomas along with all the money you're taking back, then you're still a luxury tax team. Um, and I don't – I don't know, man. I I think it, it'll depend on how Isaiah finishes out the season, but I think he's just such a big question mark right now. Um, like, with his age and his, his coming off that injury, I think he relies so heavily on that first step and getting around players, and he has not been able to do it yet. Granted, it's really early into his season. Um, but even, like, more importantly, I, if, hopefully if you're Cleveland, you keep that net stick. I think you just take that Nets pick, you sell off those other assets, and you try to build around whoever you draft. Yeah, I mean, I mean you honestly, think about it. That, you that, trade Eric Gordon, you trade Kevin Love, you trade PJ Tucker, you trade Dene, um, you trade Jay Crowder. Um, you you got a lot of pieces there that you can get returned for. Yeah, no, I definitely see what you're saying in that in that respect. But my biggest issue with Cleveland, I think I said this before, is they don't really draft well. Um, we look at Wiggins, Kyrie, and LeBron, but those are like the most obvious number one choices I think most any franchise have ever like has ever had. Like those those picks, like you know, they fall in your lap. It's hard to mess that up. Like if you have LeBron number one overall, you're not going to mess that up and, and pick Dwayne Wade. So like these weren't like crafty draft picks that they had. Like Kyrie is the obvious pick that year. Wiggins and LeBron. So they just don't draft well. So if I'm Cleveland, what, what I'd be thinking is, um, you know, if I get all those pieces back, maybe I don't trade all of the assets away. Sure. Like I let Isaiah go. Um, I see what I can, you know, do with Gordon, uh, you know, and I try to build around maybe Kevin Love and, and see what I can get out of that. And hopefully I can draft well with that draft pick. And he can, you know, you know, we can groom him to becoming something. But if if I'm Cleveland, knowing that I don't draft well, I'm not getting rid of everything that I have, knowing that all I have for the future is that pick, um, that high pick. Hopefully it's a high pick for them um, and, and nothing really else. So I, that, that's the only thing I'm thinking of if I'm Cleveland. But in, in, in regard to the LeBron situation, that's the perfect place for him. Um, I definitely see him uh, – LeBron and the Rockets taking Golden State seven games. I just still don't see them being Golden State. But it would increase his odds more than anywhere else. Yeah, and I I would posit this. Um, I think 
it's been a long time since LeBron James has played with another top five player. Because um, Kyrie, you know, his time with Kyrie, Kyrie's never been a top five NBA player. He's just not not yet. I mean, I'm not saying he can't be, but he's still not. Even on Boston now, he's not one of the top five NBA players. Um, he hasn't played with the top five NBA players mm-hmm. since his first season in Miami with D-Wade. Um, and to go play with another top five player like James Harden, um, and you got Chris Paul as essentially like a third option. Um, and not to mention, like, the biggest reason why I think it would be interesting is your down-the-stretch lineup would be uh, Chris Paul, James Harden, LeBron, uh, Trevor Reza, LeBron James, and Clint Capella. Capella is, like, a better rim defender than anybody LeBron's ever had. Um, pink protector, um, you know, just, just excellent defender. Uh, you got Ariza who can guard Kevin Durant, and you got Chris Paul who can guard um, uh, uh, Steph Curry. So that basically means Harden has to guard Clay Thompson, and LeBron has to battle with Draymond. Um, or you know, if they go small, then you got Capella on Draymond, and really all LeBron has to worry about is um, uh, shit. What's his name? Uh, Iggy. And, uh, you know, offensively, Iggy is just not there anymore. So, I don't know. I think they would actually match up really well. I, would, I might even favor Houston, um, depending how, how they flowed throughout the season. I mean, you'd have to see them together. But on paper, I think they, they definitely match up well. At least at that point, you got, two, you got pretty much like close to the four best players in the NBA, like, like I mean, because you got you got LeBron and you got Harden versus um, versus Steph and KD, and then you know everybody else it, you know kind of matches up where they match up. Uh, but anyway, Joel, I know you hate this um, because we know how much you love parody, um, and I, and I don't blame <laughs> you. Um, but do you think? Uh, do you think? Oh, well, we'll start with. Do you think this is? Um, uh, the most likely uh, way that, that the offseason plays out as far as where LeBron James will end up? Well, this is uh, quite quite the conspiracy theory, um, though you oh, did explain you. it very well. Thank you. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think I probably should have just not said that he knows where he's going to go, but I, right. I think he does, and I think he has known since the off season. But anyway, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, no. Well, uh, yeah. Uh, my thing with this is, it's very likely that it does happen. You know, uh, it could happen. I could see it the way you, the way you mentioned, the way you explained it. I could see it happening just like that. Um, I'm not sure if it's just a coincidence or he planned it that way. Because if he has been planning it that way, that is the most unloyal hoe ever. Um, he's just, I, I swear to God, it's like, like, I'm happy he brought them a championship because at the very least he gave them a ring because this yeah. motherfucker, I, I just, wow. <laughs> well, put it this and way, I'm go- not saying he, I'm not saying LeBron planned it. I, I just think, I think Chris Paul planned it and sat down with Daryl Morey and said, said this is the amount of cap space that we need or this is the amount we need and cap for the, on the books next season with what we have already to go get to trade for LeBron James, and he, he can do what I just did. Um, so I think he's more the orchestrator. I think LeBron just knows. Like I think I think he knows 
Like, obviously, if Chris Paul's doing this, he's going to tell LeBron, and so LeBron knows. Um, but I do think LeBron knows, not that he put the whole thing together, but I think, like, it, it, I, he knows where he's going to go because it's an obvious fucking choice. No, I mean, the way you laid it out is perfectly fine. I think that trade would work. Um, they could even sign Dwayne Wade for the minimum because <laughs> he's going to be crazy too. So it's like, it's like crazy. The whole, most of the banana boat crew would be there next year. Um, it makes a lot of sense. I do believe at that point for Cleveland, you got to like rebuild. There's no point. In yeah. Are you snicker when, like, when Juwan said, try to build around Kevin Love? I'm pretty sure yeah. I heard you snicker. <laughs> sure. Yeah, that's going to work. Uh, Kevin Love is going <laughs> to no, <laughs> you, you you trade everyone you can to get as much assets as you can, whether it's young players or draft picks. Um, no matter how bad you think their drafting is, um, they have to do that. That's what they got to do. That's how they got to where they got. That's how they got their ring through draft. The draft, their guy, right? Um, right. Both guys. <laughs> so no matter how bad it was, you got to take that chance. Um, and no free agents wants to go to Cleveland, bro. You can't do it like that. You have to. You got to home grow these motherfuckers if you're gonna do it. Right. right. Um. It's just so I look. I, I agree with you. I think the trade can work. Um. I think it's a very high possibility, and they're probably my favorite to land LeBron now after you the way you laid it out. <laughs> but um. Uh, I don't, I don't like it. Of course, uh, I like him in the East. I don't like him out going out West and it's just like, what the fuck? Uh, but whatever, maybe it's a new era in the Eastern conference and it's just better off with him. Go play in the West with KD and them. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing to me is like, I think it gives so many opportunities to the East. Like a, like think about it. This think about like, if you're new Orleans and like, you are, you know, you're you're sitting there worried about like the Pelican. Uh, I'm sorry, you are the Pelican. You're sitting there worrying about the Warriors, and then you know you get LeBron joining Houston. Um, and and let me let me throw this out too, um, because I'm not necessarily like I'm I'm like 95 percent certain that this is how it that it's going to go down um, for LeBron. Um, if I'm Paul George, I'm exploring that oppor- like that, the opportunity that that presents as well. Because um, if you're Paul George, you can you have a player option. You can do the exact same thing. Um, like I said, I mean, I think that the fact that of how Chris Paul got to Houston is the most under talked about, under reported thing in the NBA. Um, I think mm-hmm. he completely changes the game on free agency because if you have the ability to say either I'll, I'll opt in and you trade me where I want to go or I'll opt out and leave and you get nothing. Like, this puts so much power in an NBA player's hands. Um, and Paul George has that at his fingertips. He could say, like, it, you know, I threw out Minnesota for LeBron. What about PG? Like, why, you know, why PG just says, look, I'll opt in if you trade me to Minnesota. Like, PG for Wiggins, straight up. Like, right. I mean, if you're if you're okay, see, I don't like the way Wiggins fits with uh, with that team, but it's better than losing him for nothing, and you got him under contract for five years. Um, and if you're Minnesota, I mean, if you put PG and Jimmy Butler like guarding your wings, 
like, dude. Mm-hmm. Plus, I mean, obviously you got Carl Anthony Towns. Um, like, that's like a no-brainer to me. Um, or maybe, yeah. you know, may, maybe he says, you know, I want to go play in New Orleans with the Twin Towers. Um, it's going to be harder to reach a deal there. But, you know, you throw in enough draft picks, I think it could maybe work um, in expiring right. contracts or, you know, whatever. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I think it will be really interesting if if and when LeBron pulls this move and, you know, maybe Paul George does the same thing. Um, I think you'll see NBA teams that are just a lot more reluctant to give uh, to give free agents player options um, because of what they would have the ability to do with them. Whereas in the past, right. all you had to worry about with a player option was, well, this player is not producing as well as the money he's getting paid, so he's going to opt in so he can keep that money. Like, you've never really had to worry about it in the past, a player dictating that you, in order to for them to opt in and stay, uh, that that would mean trading them to where they wanted to go. Um, so I don't know. I find it fascinating, uh, like, the inner workings of, of Chris Paul's um, deal with, with the Houston Rockets. Um, and I think uh, I think we'll see at least more of it in the short term um, until these teams start saying, well, we're not, we're not giving these guys player options anymore because we're getting fucked over it. Um but, yeah, I mean, I, I certainly think for Paul George, like, you're going to be leaving, like, $10 million on the table. But would you rather leave $10 million on the table now and go to a destination where you know you're going to have success and then, you know, or be in Chris Paul's shoes where he had to leave $10 million on the table later after, you know, suffering through years in Los Angeles and not, you know, n- never being able to get, you know, to the Western Conference Finals. Because um, I think if you go to LA, that's what you're looking at. If you re-sign with OKC, that's probably what you're looking at. Because let's be honest, like I, I love Russell Westbrook, but if I mean Carmelo Anthony is just he's he's not in his prime anymore. He's too old, so it's pretty much you and Russ, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas if you can go play with Jimmy Butler and Carl Anthony Towns, Jimmy Butler's playing like MVP basketball for the the past like two to three weeks. Um, and Towns has obviously got so such a high ceiling. Um, so I mean, there's there's other teams out there. I I just think that's my favorite. Um, but yeah, it'll it'll be really interesting uh, to see. I think as interesting as last year's uh, free agency period was, I think this year could be even more interesting. Um, just with with um, what LeBron James and Paul George ought to do, and how that shakes up the rest of the the uh, NBA. And then, of course, I mean, you got Boogie, who unfortunately Boogie doesn't have a player option, so he can't uh, he can't dictate terms. Because um, if he did have a player option, man, I'd be throwing it out for Boogie to, to opt in and say trade me to Washington. Um, but unfortunately, he doesn't he doesn't have that uh, he doesn't have that ability. But anyway, right. thank you both for entertaining uh, me for 30 minutes and letting me uh, rant on about. Um, everything that I have figured out in the past week and why I think I know that LeBron is going to Houston. Uh, but let's move on. Let's get to our first half awards. I'm pretty excited about this, too. Let's start off with most valuable player. Jawan, who you got? I'm going Kyrie Irving. Ah, uh, oh, you stay with the Kyrie pick. I like it. 
I told you I'm I'm trying to remain as uh, consistent as I can when it comes to my Boston picks. Um, right now I'm looking at his numbers, 24.1 points per game, uh, and he's averaging five assists per game, and their record is 34-11. and 11. Um, This team has been playing great uh, by Kyrie, and Kyrie has completely bought in not only to this organization but into playing defense. Um, I believe uh, last time I checked, he was in the lower half, but he was in the um, the top ten of deficient, uh, defensive uh, efficiency. Sorry, I don't know why I just tried to combine those two words. Um, so, I mean, this guy has been leading this team. One of the biggest questions with him coming to Boston is, can he buy in, can he play defense, and can he be the guy, the leader of this young team? And he's so far has shown he can do all of those things. Um, so I'm going with Kyrie for my uh, MVP. Where? Uh, I I I feel like he's probably at least because the Celtics are so good. Um, I feel like he's probably at least like top top seven, probably more like top four or five uh, on my list. Um, and you know I can't I can't fault you. Um, I don't think he's one of the top ten best players in the league, but I definitely think he's one of the top five best candidates for MVP because of his season and because how good his team's playing. Um, but, Joel, who do you got for your MVP halfway through the season? Halfway through the season, um, I agree with Jawan. Uh, I think he is a top five candidate for MVP in general. I think Harry is up there. Uh, but I have to give James Harden. Um, Squared. James Harden is top the leading scorer in the league. He's one of the top assist guys in the league. I think he's top three. Um, and you can see Houston is not as good without him, obviously. And they right. always will not be without him. Um, and I thought, and I think he's shown that he could play with Chris Paul this year. And they would and yeah. play well together. Uh, and they are forced. So I, I do believe James Harden, um, he was one of my top choices uh, in the beginning of the year. I just wasn't sure if he would be able to get to that level again because it's hard to like replicate what he did last year. Uh, but he's kind of doing it again. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. all right, so James, um, I think it's his year. I think it's his, as long as he's healthy, of course. But if he could get back healthy and right. stick to it, I think this is James Harden's year to do what he got to do and, uh, you know, earn it. You know, last year was just a, a – complete a uh, thing with Westbrook being uh, averaging a triple double. I cannot give it to that guy. I'm sorry. I had to do that. But for James Harden, um, he was, he definitely was one of the guys that deserved it. So I think this might be the year to do it. Yeah. And I hope you're right, man. Cause like he's put in his dues. Like we've talked about this a lot. Uh, I think really a lot of our conversation has boiled down to LeBron versus uh, Harden. And I hope you're right. Um, I think it's interesting because I said, by the way, I still got LeBron James. Um, but I do think it's interesting because I, like I said, I hope it's Harden. Um, but the thing is, thus far this year, LeBron is like the only MVP candidate who hasn't missed a game, which I think is really mm-hmm. interesting. Like he hasn't rested one game, and of course he hasn't been hurt because LeBron doesn't get hurt. Um, so I mean, I think that is important. I mean, you can only be uh, valuable to your team if you're on the court. Um, but uh, but also, um, I wonder if in the past two weeks, uh, do you think it hurts LeBron more that their team is playing like shit? 
or do you think it hurts Harden more that he's hurt, you know? Um, but at least, like, with Harden, well, he's he's hurt and his team is struggling a little bit. So maybe that maybe that actually helps Harden's case. Uh, Juwan, what do you think? Well, I was going to say in reference to uh, LeBron with his team struggling, um, <clears throat> Thunder didn't have the best record last year, and Westbrook still got it because of his numbers. So I yeah, think if LeBron's, numbers oh, yeah. still, if LeBron's numbers still hold up, I don't think you can use that against him. I mean, because he's playing lights out. It is not his fault that every position outside of his own is playing like hot garbage right now. So I don't think think you can hold that uh, against LeBron at all. I don't think that should be any knock. Just like, uh, Joel, I had Harden in mind. Uh, That is the only guy I was willing to take over Kyrie. Um, I don't hold the injury against him. I don't at all. Um, I just feel like the degree of difficulty that Kyrie's working with is a like maybe just a, a hair bigger than the degree of difficulty Harden's working with. Um, so that's difficulty why I in terms of my pick. Team success yeah, right too. now. Like as far as as far as what Kyrie's working with and what uh, James Harden's working with and maintaining uh, that success. Uh, that, like I said, it's I only a hair. I mean, Boston I, I, was number I, one last year too. It. Right. No, 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 no. And I completely agree with you. But when outside of Kyrie, when your two best players are as young as Brown and Tatum are, Tatum more so than than Brown. Hold on. Um, Horford is their second best player. They don't knock Horford like that. that. Any Celtic fan, and they will tell you that Horford is their second best player. In fact, I would even argue, I I think I heard Bill Simmons say recently that, like, he thinks, arguably, that Al Horford is more important to that team than Kyrie Irving. Not that he's a better player, but that he's arguably right. more important because mm-hmm. of because of Steven's system and what Horford means to that system. Horford averages Steven's more assists than anybody else on the team. <laughs> yeah, no, that, exactly. That I completely understand. He's a really good passer. I, I get what you're saying, Nick, and I, I guess agree to disagree, but I definitely sure. – me personally would hold Tatum and Brown over uh, Horford, mainly because Tatum Horford doesn't consistently, doesn't consistently score. He does do everything else, but he doesn't consistently score, and that's what those two guys do. And I hold that a little heavier than, uh, you know, his other tangible. But like I said, I yes, I'm sorry. Um, like I said, Joel, uh, if I gave it to Kyrie, if I'm giving it to Kyrie, it's only a hair over James Harden. It's not by a mile. It's not by, you know, a huge stretch. It's only by a hair. Right. I have I have Kyrie, like, right under him. So, I don't I don't disagree okay. with your pick. <laughs> so, I just, so, we're flip-flop. I just we're flip-flop. Harden is, right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. and like I there. said, I mean, I mean, I just feel like LeBron's – I mean, LeBron is just having the best season of his career. And, I and like, kind of to both of y'all's points um, – and 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 don't get me wrong. Like a lot of this is is you know LeBron's own damn fault. Um, but there's so much like up there's there's so much upheaval um, in in Cleveland where there isn't in uh, Boston because you have a very well defined system with a coach that knows how to operate mm-hmm. that system. Um, and you have the right. same thing in Houston. So I think LeBron's like I think LeBron's value. Um, and I know like. 
MVP doesn't necessarily mean most valuable player. Like it's 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 it's, it, it's under interpretation what MVP really means. Um, up mm-hmm. for interpretation rather. Uh, but right. uh, but nevertheless, like I think if you're going off value, um, I think obviously if you take LeBron off that team, like they're they're just a fucking wreck. They're terrible, and right. and it's yeah. been proven that it doesn't matter who you take off. Um, you know, in Boston, like if, if Kyrie's out, they'll still win. If Harden's out, they might not win as much, but they're still pretty damn good with Chris Paul and the rest of that group. Right. Um, if you take yeah. if you take LeBron off the Cavs, they're fucking they're, they're not even making the playoffs like at all, not even close. Yeah. So I don't know. I I think there's yeah. I, I, I think LeBron is just he's just a notch above him this year, and not to mention his yeah. stats that have the best of his career. And he's played every single game this season. So, right. I mean, I right. guess you can make an argument LeBron could be MVP every year almost. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. That, 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 he's almost he's right there. Right I couldn't go with him. He, he's already won it a few times. So I'm like, either Harden or, or, or Kyrie. I, I can't go with LeBron again. Even though I said at the beginning of the season, I could see the soap opera uh, that we call the Cleveland Cavaliers that he could get it because mm-hmm. of the sob story. Yeah. The drama, um, but yeah. if right, yeah, right. but so I said that you, at the beginning. You, you the always go back to that sob story thing, but like you know me, you know I don't give a shit about the sob story. I'm talking strictly no, on no, no, his no, no, numbers no. and his. No, no, yeah, no. I wasn't. Um, I wasn't Ballin. saying. I wasn't saying and I'm, wait, wait, and I'm not saying that you're saying that I'm saying that. I'm just. What okay. I'm saying is, is sure. <laughs> I feel like I feel like that Friends episode right now, where it's like, but they don't know that we know that they know that we know. Um, but uh, but no, like I, I mean, the thing is, yeah. his it's just his numbers and what he what he means, like his actual value to that team, I think, speak for themselves. Um, so that's that's what I mean. Um, but let's move it's on. True. Let's yeah. get to our next one, Rookie of the Year. Uh, who's your Rookie of the Year, Joel? Hmm. Okay, so I'm gonna cheat. I'm gonna have a a duo, a dual rookie of the year. <laughs> oh, you can't do that. You uh, got to pick one, man. That's like <laughs> it's been done. Jason Kidd and Grant Hill had dual rookie of the year. It's possible. <laughs> All right. All right. Um, fine. Go ahead. I mean, you're, at least you're setting a precedent for it. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying it's possible. I'm not saying. Look, in the end, I think Ben Simmons is still the rookie of the year. Like, oh, hands down, he's still the. He's still the rookie of the year. But my number two pick, or at least my dual pick, is Donovan Mitchell. The boy is fantastic this year. He yeah. is – I mean, he's really fucking good. And, like, like better than I expected. And, like, definitely should have probably been the number one, number two pick at the very least, probably number one, because he's, he's that good. He's an undersized two, basically, in this league at this moment. But he's he's definitely earning his spot right now. Um, and the Jazz aren't that good right now, but they've been hurt most of the year, up and down. Um, I kind of feel bad because I, I do like the Jazz. And I'm just happy for them that they got Donovan Mitchell now, you know, to help them, like, get over the idea of losing Hayward. So I'm happy for the right. Utah Jazz organization. But, yeah, Donovan Mitchell is my second pick or my dual pick. Uh, but I still think Ben Simmons overall, if it's not a co-rookie uh, of the year, well, it's going to be rookie of the year. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I'm I'm kind of right there with you. I think there's I, I I've honestly got three guys 
um, who, who I think are all in that in that conversation. I think Jason Tatum should be included in that conversation. Um, but before I, I make a selection between those three guys, I've now teased it. Uh, Juwan, who are you guys mm-hmm. rooting against? You still taking Lonzo? <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I'm okay, going with good. Jason Tatum. I'm going with Jason oh, Tatum. Nice. Top ten, man. Um, I, I, even though Joel, I will say, man, as you were talking, it, and let me start by saying I'm not going into any conversation about Ben Simmons. Um, <laughs> Donovan, man, I I love the way that kid balls, man. I I desperately wanted to change mine to Jason Tatum, but uh, when it comes to awards like this. I do always find winning to be super important. And, you know, it's not Donovan's fault that the Jazz aren't necessarily playing all that well. Uh, So that's not what I'm saying at all. Um, But Jason Tatum has, excuse me, has stepped up tremendously. Um, And I feel as though that can't go, uh, you know, unnoticed at all. And and his numbers are are pretty good um, for his rookie season and for having to kind of come in, uh, and be what Gordon Hayward would have been if he hadn't have been injured. Um, so I, I, that's my pick is, is Jason Tatum. Indeed. Um, yeah, I think it's funny, uh, Joel, you mentioned that um, you feel bad for the Jazz, man. I feel bad for all 12 teams ahead of them that didn't pick Donovan Mitchell. Because <laughs> like, yeah. uh, particularly yeah, the Jazz, man, because – because, like, I, I think you and I kind of both had him slotted around 12, like 11 or yeah. 12, which is Up which there, is where, yeah. you know, he ended up going 13th. Um, but I remember, like, when we were when we were doing our draft night coverage, um, I, and I don't remember it specifically, but I definitely remember saying that Detroit should go Donovan Mitchell. And I think you said something to the effect of they should, but they're going to pick Luke Kennard. Um, and we like we just <laughs> called that, and and they picked Luke Kennard, and nothing against Luke Kennard. I mean, he's he's had a a fine season off the bench, and he's he's a little buried in that depth chart. Um, but like, damn, dude, Donovan Mitchell, he's he yeah. he is undersized. I think he's only six three, but he's got a six nine wingspan, so like that helps up quite right. a lot. Um, and he's just he's got so much fire, man. I love the kid. I love his story. Um, but all that being yeah, said, man. I still. I, I still got to go Ben Simmons. Like, Ben Simmons is just the best. He's, and I, I know he's a red shirt and all that, but this is his first season um, in the NBA, mm-hmm. and, and he's just been that good, man. He, he, I mean, he really is. I think – I don't think you can go wrong with any of those three guys, though. I mean, I think they're all having phenomenal no, years. And, and I think the other thing that's interesting is, you know, we all thought at the beginning of the season, like, Ben Simmons was just going to run away with it. Um. Right. And the the injury to Gordon Hayward obviously put uh, Jason Tatum in a position to uh, excel, yeah. and he has done that. And very similarly in Utah, all of their injuries put Donovan Mitchell in a position to excel, and he has done it, like, tenfold. Like, I mean, that guy is their offense. Like, the thing is, Jason Tatum's such a factor of the Brad Stevens offense. He gets so many open threes. Um, at one point earlier this season, he was shooting like 50% from three, which is just ridiculous. Um, that number's come down now, but I, I mean, I still think he's in the mid forties or close to it. Um, but, uh, but Donovan Mitchell is the Utah Jazz's offense. Uh, so, and the fact that he's been able to do it and do it so well, is just ridiculous. Um, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm big fan of Donovan Mitchell 
and I'm even a bigger fan because he's like trying his damnedest to save my fantasy season. So that's really cool. I appreciate it, Donovan. Um, but anyway, let's move on. Uh, defensive player of the year. Uh, who you got, Juwan? I'm going with Draymond Green. <clears throat> All right. Uh, this guy has been playing very, very, very passionately, like he always does. Uh, he's always consistently in that defensive player of the year conversation. Um, <clears throat> his 7.9 rebounds per game uh, is definitely what what I, what I was looking at the most. Uh, he's definitely rebounding at, 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 a, at a at a high clip. I wouldn't say more than. Anthony Davis or DeMarcus Cousins looking at them getting 15, 16 boards <laughs> in games. Right. But um, Draymond, uh, the way he fills the stat sheet with so many different things, steals, assists, rebounds, blocks, uh, and his points, um, I'm definitely going with Draymond for my uh, defensive player of the year. All right, I hear you. Hey, that's, that's a very solid pick in my book. Um, Joel, who you got? Uh, I think you can't go wrong with Draymond, so that's definitely a very good pick. Um, but I, I had no idea who to pick for this because I haven't really been – I don't get to watch all the games, so I'm not really sure who I'm going to play. Like, who's the main defensive force on which team? And uh, So I was like, who do I like? <laughs> who defends well? <laughs> uh, so I kind of went with um, – Paul George. I'm like, Paul George could possibly win. He's yeah. I think he's one of the top guys in the field. Uh, he definitely plays both ways, but I think on a team that's uh, started off slow and now coming back, um, he's a big part of it, and I think his defense has a lot to do with it. So I think I'm leaning towards Mr. George as my DPOY of the year so far. So far, at least. We'll see. Gotcha. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah. I, he, there's, there is no coincidence that uh, the – uh, Thunder got Paul George and now have an elite defense. Like <laughs> that's not a coincidence. So so yeah, I mean absolutely. I mean I think uh, and and not to mention, I mean I, I just love the way that that I love the pairing of him and and Stephen Adams uh, because they're just both so tenacious defensively. Like Stephen Adams is. Like I, I, I don't want to jump ahead, but I'll, I'll just go ahead and, and say this: I, he's definitely in the conversation for most improved player. Um, I'm not saying mm-hmm. he's going to be my pick, but I mean he's definitely in the conversation. Um, my defensive player of the year is actually Kevin Durant. Um, dude, I love the way this guy's played defense this year. Like he, he's, he's getting 6.4 defensive rebounds a game. Uh, and that's that's crazy good. Like six point four, and and to put this into perspective, yeah. like offensive rebounds, he's point six. So like he's been getting most of his his rebounds on the defensive side, whereas uh, you know um, Draymond probably gets a lot more offensive rebounds than than Katie. Uh, but I don't I don't think he gets as many defensive rebounds as Katie. You can pull up the stats if you want to uh, fact check me on that, Jawan. Um, but, yeah, 6.4 defensive rebounds a game. Leads the league and per game blocks 2.1 per game. Like, that's just – that's awesome. Like, he's, that's, that's amazing. Point eight steals. Um, I, he's just playing really well, and he's kind of, like, just excelled so far beyond what we ever thought he was capable of defensively since joining the Warriors. We saw glimpses of it last year, 
and now we're really starting to see it come to fruition. Like he just he he doesn't have to put out as much effort on the offensive end, which allows him to just play such so much better defense than he's ever been able to play in his career. Um, like I I honestly like I don't want to reward KD with anything, but I got to I mean I got to like <laughs> look at his defense and his defensive numbers. Mm-hmm. And then really just even just eye test, just the way the guy um, is playing, you know, for that team defensively is just – it's crazy. I mean, it really is. And the way that he's become like a paint protector for them um, defensively, uh, you know, because he is so tall and he does have a great right. acumen for, get, like, getting the ball and, and not fouling. He's only averaging 2.3 fouls a game. For somebody that's averaging 2.1 blocks a game and only averaging 2.3 fouls a game, um, that's crazy. Like, that is really crazy. Mm-hmm. He's always had a knack for, like, not fouling. Um, like, he only averages 1.9 fouls per game over the course of his career. Mm-hmm. Um, but you would think that number would go drastically up because of how much he's involved in the paint um, defensively, but it hasn't. Um, I, I, he's really impressed me on the defensive end. Um, but, hey, I can't I, – I, but I, I think honestly, if you were to um, if you were to put all three of those guys uh, together, um, I think Paul George might win it just because you know Draymond and Durant are going to detract from one another, and Draymond's won it. Like Draymond's won it like two or three times, I think, at least once. Um, I'm not sure if Paul George has ever won it. So um, I don't you know, think so. That no. could be. Yeah, yeah so that, that could be a big, You know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, and and even if if and when he comes back, he's missed too much of the season already to, to be in the running for any accolades. So, I mean, you've missed the first half of the season. So, um, all right, let's move on. Sixth man of the year, Joel. Who you got? Okay, I'm gonna go <laughs> with the marvelous marvel of Los Angeles, Lou Williams. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um. um this dude, I think he's starting now because of injuries and shit, but um, until, you know, we'll see how many games that goes that way, but I think, and he might earn and keep that starting job, because I think at this point, he's, the man might have earned a fucking all-star lot. That's how good he's yeah. playing, because the Clippers have been balling, and he's a big reason why. So, yeah. I gotta give it, for now, Lou, uh, Lou's my dog. I mean, I've just been so impressed with him uh, lately. Uh, I, I got to give it to Lou Williams. Uh, that might go away because of the fact that he's, he's going to may stay a starter. But as of right now, uh, he's my sixth man of the year. He is balling. Yeah, indeed. That's, that's, uh, in fact, I'll just go ahead and jump in. That's my pick as well. Um, I, I don't think you, Monster. I don't think you can pick, I don't think you can pick anybody else until Lou Williams like firmly sets himself into that starting lineup. Um, as long right. as he is has played more games off the bench, which I think it's about fifty fifty, he may have actually he may have actually started more at this point. Um, but the last time I looked at it, it was pretty close. Um, I think he still has more games off the bench though. Um, and yeah, he's just been balling out, man. And especially like the last what six weeks or so, um, mm-hmm. he's been that team's offense basically. And and particularly, I think um, I mean you mentioned the injuries. Um, in their backcourt uh, with Beverly going down, Rivers missing some time, Teodosic obviously being out early in the season. Um, he's been their one constant. 
Um, and, you know, he was the only reason that they won any games while Blake was out. So, um, right. yeah, definitely got to go Lou Williams. And I think, I think, uh, I'm going to just give you a little shout out, Joel, because, uh, both Jawan okay. and myself said that there's no way the Clippers make the the playoffs, and granted, they haven't done it yet. Um, but both of right. us said that you know they would they would be injured and they wouldn't make the playoffs, um, and they have been injured, but they still look like they're going to make the playoffs. Like, and you know, Surprising, obviously, man. I think fucking nuts. yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it really is. I'm I'm very surprised by it. Um, but they're not there yet, so we'll see. We'll see how the rest of the season plays out. Um, but uh, Jawan, I'm assuming you have the same Lou Williams. Yeah, uh, <laughs> he wants to be different so game. bad. <laughs> I do. Uh, 23.3 points per game and uh, five assists per per game. This guy definitely is is uh, your uh, sixth man of the year. Yeah, definitely. I did want to be yeah. different, though. I, I sat here. I scrolled through looking for somebody else while you two were talking. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, <laughs> Lou Williams definitely uh, deserves it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he might be all five just... this year, bro. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I yeah, might put him in there. Yeah, and, that, I mean, that's, that's that's the thing. Like, if you're playing good enough to be an all-star and you're coming off the bench, like, there's no question. Like, there's just not – you you can't pick anybody else. There's just nobody else who's been playing as well as he has. Um, all right, now here's one where we're bound to have parity. Uh, well, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe not. Uh, most improved player. Uh, start with you, Juwan. So that way nobody influences your pick and you don't start trying to pick somebody different. <laughs> all right, that sounds fair. I'm going um, Victor Oladipo. Uh, yeah. I looked I looked deep into this man and, and last year, albeit I think I call these Russell Westbrook numbers because he played alongside a guy who's trying his damnness to average a uh, triple double. Uh right. Oladipo <laughs> last year averaged fifteen point nine uh points per game, four point three rebounds per game, and two point six assists per game. This year, twenty four point three points per game, five point two rebounds per game in four uh, assists per game. This guy has definitely turned his game completely around. Looks like, you know, he's one of those guys that needs to be able to to take over a team. And, you know, and, and his numbers show that once he went to uh, the Pacers and they gave him the keys, he, he completely took control of it and his numbers show, and he's definitely having a, a breakout season. Enough to where I think at some point we were saying, like, how can he not be an all-star? Um, yeah. This guy definitely has the numbers that shows he should be an all-star. Um, I do know he has struggled a little bit in, I think, his last few games. But um, from what he's shown us from the beginning of the season till now, I definitely think he's holding – he's held consistent as, excuse me, my most improved player of the year. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Joel, who you got? I have to agree. <laughs> Oladipo's the dog yeah. right now. He's – He's completely surprised me how good he's been playing this year. Uh, to the pack, the fact that he's playing like an all-star and carrying the Indiana Pacers, um, a team who I thought would be around the eighth seed, and they've been playing around that level. <laughs> but they, he, he, I didn't expect him to play as well as he's been playing though. Um, he's definitely shocked me. There have been a lot of guys that I've been impressed with this year. 
Satterfield took a step up. Like I, I've been impressed with guys like Tyreek Evans and uh, I can't think of the other one I had in mind. But uh, but Oladipo, the results are showing in, in in his in his game. So it's like I, he's he's just balling. I can't really give it to uh, even though I I love KP. I would love to give it to KP. Uh, the struggles that hurt him a little bit. Um, he's kind of fell off a little bit. Uh, he still has his games. He's still. I think uh, in the top five, but I, I, at the moment, Oladipo, uh, for sure, uh, surprised me the most. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and and I, I I like realized that right as I said, you know, this is one where we're, you know, we might have some some different choices. But as soon as I said it, I was like, no, you know what? I don't think so. Because uh, I mean, it's another one where it's just hard to pick anybody else. Um, I really do like Stephen Adams as a, as a candidate um for it um just because i think he has stepped up his game so much this season but oladipo is the unquestionable like favorite for for this discussion um and i'll say this i don't think it's too far out there for oladipo to be a starter for the all-star team um to me he's like that well Mm -hmm. like he's shooting better from three than demar derozan um he's only averaging like one point less a game uh, I think he's averaging uh, more assists. Um, let me see, four point four point zero assists for him. Or excuse me, now uh, uh, DeRozan is averaging uh, one more assist. Um, but it's close. Like, and 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 the other thing too is Oladipo is a better defender um, than than uh, than DeRozan. So I would still lean towards DeRozan, but namely because he's on the better team. Uh, but I think there's a conversation there. I really do. I think I think Oladipo is playing that well this season, and I think he's a lock. He's a, he's a lock to make the All Star team uh, this year. In fact, I would even say this. Um, I think even if you didn't, even if like you can say like someone's a lock for the East because there's so much more talent in the West. I think even if you just broke down the 24 best players this season, I think Oladipo would have to be in that list of 24. So even if you open it up and you were saying that East doesn't matter, West doesn't matter, just pick the, the eight, we'll say eight or ten best guards, like Oladipo mm-hmm. would easily be in that in that group of players. Um, he's been that good this year. And he he, he wasn't – obviously he, he didn't play very well last year, um, but he's never been that, that all that great. Um, granted, I think Orlando didn't really know how to use him, and because you know OKC was so heavily entrenched around Russell Westbrook, they didn't use him correctly either. Um, but now that he's a team that really knows how to play him, he's he's thriving. I mean, honestly, Nick, uh, his numbers have pretty much held. I mean, obviously they've drastically jumped up this year, but he he was putting up really good numbers. <clears throat> excuse me, in Orlando. His first year, 13.8. His second year, 17.9. His uh, third year, 16. And last year, 15.9. And this year, obviously, at 24 is a huge jump from then. But the guy's always been putting up, like, really good numbers. He just hasn't had, like, the team success hasn't been all that good. So we didn't really look at it as much as we're doing now to where the Pacers have a shot to make the playoffs. Uh, and, you know, actually do something. Uh, so now we look at it a little differently because you can't deny him. But, I mean, the guy has been putting up pretty good numbers. He hasn't been a slouch, uh, even in his Orlando days. Yeah, and I wasn't saying he was a slouch. I was just saying, like, he he 
has never been as productive as a number two overall pick as we all right, thought okay. he had the potential to be. Um, and that, okay. and like I said, I don't, I don't think that has anything to do with Victor Oladipo. I think that has to do with how they used him. I mean, in Orlando, they tried to bring him off the bench. They tried to turn him into a six man um, because mm-hmm. they, for whatever reason, I guess you know they had they had Fournier and they had um, uh, who else? They had somebody else. I can't remember who at this point. Um, but so and they, and they also they wanted him to be a point guard. They tried him. They tried to make him a point guard. That didn't work. So they tried to bring him off the bench. And you know he was still mildly successful. But I mean, no team has ever been like, no, you are our starting shooting guard, and we are going to you're going to be our primary, you know, uh, scoring, like, offense. Um, yeah. He's just never been in a position where either a team was in the position to offer him that or whether the team would embrace that. Um, so now that he is, I mean, he's thriving. Um, I, I think the biggest, one of the biggest things uh, this year is his effective field goal percentage. It's 56.3. Yeah, it's really good. Like it's really fucking good. And last year he was fifty one. He never was quite he always hovered from like forty five to forty nine when he was in Orlando. Um so like now that he's really been like able to cut loose, um nor a lot of times you would see a guy, you know, who's given the reins to a team, like he scores more but he's less less efficient, less effective. That's not the case with Oladipo. He's been more efficient and more effective, uh, and that's something that I, I don't think anyone saw coming uh, because everybody mm-hmm. pretty much crucified the uh, the Pacers for making that trade, and it's turned out to be a very, very good Pretty trade good. for them. Yeah. Um, all right, uh, moving on, Coach of the Year. Joel, who you got? I gotta go with my boy Brad Stevens in Boston. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, it's true though. I have to go with Brad Stevens. Um, the fact that he's able to like the man obviously knows what he's doing. Um, mm-hmm. They kind of like gave him a whole new team this year. It feels like, and he still manages to be the best team in the East um, with a similar but different crew. Um, and he, he manages to do it because he has a certain philosophy that everyone seems to to be built in with. Like, every, every, they get it and they, they stick to it. It's, it's, it, has, it comes down to coaching and structure. And, and you can see it with Kyrie playing like an MVP. You have Jason Tatum as one of the top rookies in, 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 in this league. You have um, Mark Smart still up there as one of the better six men in the league. Um, and a lot of it has to do with the fact of the way they're utilized in, in, in Brad Stevens' system. And um, as much as I hate to say it sometimes, the man is fucking talented. And I gotta give Brad Stevens all the credit in the world. He's my coach of the year for the time being. Yeah, I don't think. I mean, you can make a, an argument uh, for somebody else, but I don't think you can argue with that pick at all. Like, it's just it's been remarkable what he's been able to achieve. Um, Juwan, uh, who you got? Yeah, same thing. I mean, when you look over at Golden State, I kind of feel like <clears throat> you could, you know. Anyone could be the coach of that team because it kind of coaches itself. I mean, you kind of have four of the best uh, guys in the league right now, so it's kind of hard to mess that up as far as, as coaching. So you can't really give it to Steve Kerr. I, I don't think just any coach can do what Brad Stevens has been doing with the group of guys he's had over the last couple of seasons as he's built this uh, model of success. 
So I definitely agree with Joel. Definitely has to go to Brad Stevens. Yeah, and, and Hayward getting hurt. Yeah, and yeah. that's uh, yeah. I was gonna mention that too. Like, I mean, with Hayward going down, like that's that's obviously a lot. I'm gonna go with Greg Popovich, um, just because, I, and not just to be different, but I actually do think Greg Popovich deserves it. Um, it, it I think I, it, it was it, it was a big. Um, I, I found it to be a big thing that I, I don't think got a lot of coverage. I mean, I feel like the only place that I saw it, um, like at least it pre- uh, saw a lot of it, was on the jump. Uh, Rachel Nichols kind of broke it down. Um, but for, for Pop to basically come out and be like, yeah, I overcoached with Marcus Aldridge last year, um, and I had kind of been trying to overcoach him. Uh, and the fact that, you know, they sat down and really kind of hashed things out and, you know, Essentially, uh, most coaches would be like, all right, well, if you want to be traded, fine, we'll trade you. It's my way or the highway, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and, of course, when they asked, you know, Pop about it, he said, uh, you know, they said, well, what did, what did you say to uh, LaMarcus when uh, he asked to be traded? And he was like, well, basically I told him I'd be happy to trade you if I could get, you know, KD, <laughs> but we're not going to get uh, – <laughs> we're not going to get the value out of you that uh, we, we would find comparable. So we need to sit down and work this, this situation out. Um, and they have, and LaMarcus Aldridge has honestly been, I, I feel like he could easily be the most improved player this year. Um, uh, I mean, I think it's just obvious it's Oladipo, but like his game, his performance this year versus last year is, is amazing and how much more effective he's been. Um, I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that he's been their primary offensive threat this season um, because Kawhi has been out for virtually the whole first half of the season. Um, But also, I mean, I think that has to do with how uh, Popovich is utilizing him. Um, And that, you know, I don't think that can be overlooked. Uh, And then also, I mean, just to kind of go back to, you know, what we were saying as far as, you know, Brad Stevens having to operate without Hayward. I mean, the Spurs have had to operate without um, Kawhi all season, and they're 29-16. and 16. Um, They're second in their division, and they're third in the conference. So, like, that to me is probably more impressive than what Brad Stevens has been able to do despite um, – you know, the Celtics being number one, obviously, and the, uh, you know, being able to do so without without Hayward. Um, but, like, if you look at the Celtics roster, like, I mean, how many people, like, okay, let's, let's say LaMarcus Aldridge uh, and um, Kyrie, you know, are, are out of the picture. Um Every like there's like three people that I would name that play for the Celtics that are better than the next best guy that the Spurs have. So like well, the fact that they can just they can throw together role players and a few good young draft picks and then you know the the old savvy vets and be as good as they are is just crazy. Um, but Juwan, go ahead. No, no, I was just gonna say <clears throat> because of how great of a coach Greg Popovich is. If he had like four staples and a nickel, I would still pick Greg Popovich to win over most teams and uh, what they have going. Just because he's a, you know, he's one of the greatest coaches 
I honestly think he's the greatest NBA coach of all time. Um, yeah. Just because of what he's been able to implement and, and bring to the, the, the game of, of, of the NBA. Uh, with, with his schemes and him going overseas and getting guys, and now everyone's like, yeah, let's go overseas and get guys. Um, you know, I, I definitely put him on a way higher level than I do most. Um, I just think what Brad has been able to do. Also, Brad Stevens is one of the very few coaches that does seem to have uh, the Warriors, like, I'm not going to say kryptonite, but he knows how to get a W against the Warriors that not yeah. many other people can say that they can consistently, uh, you know, uh, get. So, I mean, Brad Stevens not only just knows how to coach, he knows how to coach against some of the best teams in the NBA. So, I mean, that, that, that's why I kind of give a little bit of an edge to that. But I will say Greg Popovich is working with a higher degree of difficulty. Ky, uh Kawhi Leonard not playing outside of, I think, like maybe uh, three or four games, and that team still being third in the West speaks more to how great Popovich is than anything else. So I, I do definitely understand why you'd uh, pick Popovich over Steven. Yeah, I mean, it's really it really is a coin toss to me, but, I mean, I had to yeah. – um, I pretty much knew that you were going to pick Stevens, Jawan. So uh, I figured I figured I'd go ahead and pick Popovich, and then we'd let Joel, you know, just just go with whatever whatever he was feeling. So, um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, both those guys, both those guys deserve uh, a lot a lot of credit um, for their team this yeah. season. Um, all right, final one before we move on to our uh, other topics. GM of the year. Uh, who's your GM of the year, Jawan? Danny Ainge. Danny Ainge. Surprise, surprise. I mean, this is a guy. This is a guy. No, honestly, I, re- I really thought about this. Uh, I didn't just pick it to, <laughs> to be consistent with my you Boston mean, uh, pick. I was going to say, wait, let's see, most valuable player, rookie of the year. I'm surprised you didn't pick Marcus Smart for your defensive player of the year. Uh, I, I thought of the year. It. Might as well give that to Marcus Smart, too. And, uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> No, 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 no. You're absolutely right. I thought about uh, every which way possible to fill all of these uh, uh, categories with Boston Celtics. But, no, honestly, think about what we were thinking about Danny Ainge um, uh, last year around the, the trade deadline. Had a chance to get Jimmy Butler. Had a chance to get Paul George. Couldn't land either one of them. Uh, some were saying it's because he was refusing to get rid of the pick. Some were saying it just wasn't, you know, he didn't feel as though he could uh, he he felt as though he had to give away too much to get those guys. There's a whole bunch of different things that, that went into those scenarios. And they're number one in the East without those guys. And they lost Avery Bradley, uh, who was a huge defensive piece for that team last year. They lost Isaiah. I'm, I I still think they completely upgraded uh, with, with Kyrie Irving. Um, yeah. And they're number one in the East. So, I mean, what Danny Ainge has been able to put together um, and Brad Stevens able to execute it so well, I definitely think Danny Ainge deserves to be um, uh, GM of the year. I was going to say executive. I don't know why. But, yeah, GM of the year. Yeah, I mean, and I think, uh, I, I think too, I think the biggest reason that I would, I would posit uh, is that he was able to flip the number one pick for a number three pick, still get, you know, the guy that he wanted, arguably the best player in this draft, 
um, and get an additional lottery pick out of the whole, you know, transaction. So well, I don't think that and, can be. And he Go was ahead. able to. I still think it was. I think Joel disagreed with me. Um, I still think he got away with a hoodwink of the year. I mean, think about it. You trade Isaiah, you trade Crowder, and you trade a pick that everyone was like, oh, man, that's probably going to be a really good pick in, in, in next year's draft. Got Kyrie out of it. Um, and that pick does not look as great as it did before the season started. So right. I, I definitely think he, he definitely got the, the upper hand in that entire trade. So, I mean, I, I yeah. also include well, that in my argument of why he uh, – I yeah. think he was GM of the year. Yeah, I mean, that and the fact that I don't necessarily know if he makes that trade if he doesn't get that extra lottery pick. I mean, maybe he does. Yeah. But the fact that he was he was basically able to get – the guys that he wanted, Kyrie and Tatum, and he even got a better draft pick out of the whole equation. Because like, any way you cut it, I mean, I feel like the protection on the on the uh, Lakers pick, if it falls between two to five, I don't think it will. I don't think this season um, the Lakers are going to be that bad. Of course, you never know what can happen with the lottery. And same thing with the Brooklyn pick. They're just because they're seventh or eighth or ninth in the league doesn't mean they won't win the lottery and thus you know, the Cavs get the right. number one pick. Um, but mm-hmm. I think your odds. I think I think his odds are better because he's got the Lakers pick protected two through five, and then if that doesn't convey, you know he's got the Kings pick coming next year. And the Kings, we know the Kings are going to be bad for years to come. So like, <laughs> yeah. I mean that's the thing. I mean he 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 basically was able to keep his insurance lottery pick and get the draft guy he wanted and essentially just give up Isaiah Thomas and Jay Crowder um, if you really, like, factor in all the moves for um, for Kyrie. And that's just – that's that's remarkable GM work. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I think I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, Joel, who you got? So I got the same guy I got for the, a lot of the same reasons. Uh, yeah. He turned two injured players into Kyrie Irving. I can't – he can't go wrong with that, right? Um, right. Uh, that that's a coup in its own right, but I don't. I obviously don't think the trade was as one-sided as Juan does. Uh, I do believe it was a more even trade in the end. Uh, it's just the injuries definitely was uh, what makes what made it stand out because he was never going to be healthy to start. So, um, but the, you know that's something they're dealing with now. But in the end, I mean, Danny Ainge is a very smart man. I mean, um, Jason Tatum's a top three rookie, you know, in this league. Great player. I mean, I knew it was going to be good. I didn't think it was going to be as good as he's playing. Um, then you have um, getting getting Kyrie from Cleveland. Your rival gave you one of their best players, like their second best player. So you got them to do yeah. that. <laughs> like, that's not something <laughs> everybody can do. And they have assets for days, like, to get anybody they want, basically, because they have nice, good young players, and they have, you know, draft picks, which, you know, I, I, I feel are important. I know some people don't. I think draft picks are important um, for the future if, you, if you're trying to rebuild. So, um, yeah, you got to give it to Danny. Danny knows what he's doing. He's a smart fucking guy, and uh, he's proven it every year, um, uh, obnoxiously and annoyingly so for my team. But yeah, I got to <laughs> give him credit. Uh, and and I uh, I would 
tend to agree with you, but I'm going to go Chris Paul. Um, <laughs> for all of the, oh. the reasons that I mentioned earlier. Um, no, I'm just kidding. You obviously uh, can't give it to a player, but but no, I think he orchestrated that whole trade. Like so, like that's why you can't give it to. That's why you can't give it to Daryl Morey. Um, because I don't think he nearly as responsible for that trade. Um, but just to be different, I'm going to go Tom Thibodeau <laughs> because he essentially recognized that the, the, the team that he had was not going to get the job done. Um, so he went out and he got Jimmy Butler. Um, he gave up uh, you know, a guard uh, who might be a starting point guard in the NBA, maybe, Chris Dunn, like – I think Chris Dunn's probably going to be a very formidable backup. Like, he'll be like a top 40, 50 point guard. Um, but I don't think he's ever going to be a starter. He's a great defender. Um, you know, he, he's he's still got a lot of promise, um, but I don't think he's ever going to be a starter. So you give up a backup point guard, in my opinion. You give up like a six-man type in Zach Levine, because I think Zach Levine is, is, is buckets, you know, galore. Like, that guy can come out and drop 40 on you any given night. Um, but he doesn't play any defense. He's undersized. He can't really play the one. Um, he's definitely more of a two. Um, and, you know, he's injured. You know, he's been hurt all season. Um, so, you know, I mean, you give up those two guys. Yeah, you had to give up the number seven pick, but you even got back the number 16 pick um, in that whole transaction. Uh, and, granted, I, I didn't think they should go with Justin Patton for that draft pick because they already have uh, Towns and Jang. uh on that roster and Jang right. signed for like a long time. So I, I didn't think, I, I think, I believe I said that they should go with Terrence Ferguson. Um, Cause I, to me, I think from what I remember, he was the best available wing player um, on the board. And I just felt like you needed another wing player. Um, now that would have been taking him probably about five spots higher than where I had him on my board, but I would have done it nevertheless, just because I thought, you know, I, th- I thought, you know, the kid's sense. got potential and he's, yeah, and he's kind of proved it. Um, in the few games that he started, you know, recently, um, he's played really, really well uh, for the Thunder. Um, so I, I think I think he's going to be a legit starter in the NBA. Um, so I think that's the only spot where he messed up because um, then, you know, when he when he made that trade, uh, they also traded Ricky Rubio away for a first round pick. Um, you know, after. You know, everything was said and done. They were able to achieve that as well, which is looking like a really good bargain. Um, because the way the NBA is now, you you can't you can't win if you don't have a point guard who can shoot the ball. And Ricky Rubio just can't shoot the ball. So um, so they basically right. uh, replaced Ricky Rubio uh, with Jeff Teague and a first rounder because um, they were able to sign Jeff Teague. Uh, and then he brought in Taj Gibson, and Taj Gibson is just a exactly what they needed they needed a guy who could get rebounds and play defense and help uh, keep you know other teams honest because cat is still developing as a defensive player he's not he's mm-hmm. he's still a liability on defense um and especially right. when you got both he and wiggins um I, I think that's great you can you can try to get wiggins to play better defense by having to guard jimmy butler um in practices and stuff like that and the same thing with with Cat can learn from Taj. Uh, I think the way he constructed the roster was brilliant. The trades that he made were really good. My only complaint is who they selected with that number 16 pick. Um, and I don't think, honestly, 
I don't think he's that great of a coach. <laughs> like, I know it's kind of bad to say, um, but I think he's actually, like, as far as what he's done this season, his GM work has been way more impressive than his coaching because he, he plays his guys way, way too many minutes. Um, yeah. But he doesn't really have a lot of depth. Yeah, but he doesn't have a lot of depth. So, you know, hopefully they're able to get, you know, some depth uh, next season. Um, with you know a few transactions here or there, and I, I think they'll be uh, in really good shape. And they're they're definitely I I think I think the big question for them coming into this season was how long was it going to take them to click? They're finally clicking. I definitely think that they will be a second round playoff team this year. Um, and I think if they can make it out of the first round this year, um, that is huge for them. Um, every time they played the Thunder this season, they beat them. As far as I know, I think they played three times, and they beat them all three times. Um, so if they end up in a in a seven game series against the Thunder, like oh, as much as I want to pick the Thunder because of the you know the stories and everything else, like I'm not sure I'm not sure the Thunder can get by them in a in a seven game series. Jimmy Butler, the last like three weeks, has just been pawing out. Um, and, you know, he just kind of slowly transitioned into the leader of that team. Uh, my biggest concerns uh, would be, obviously, uh, the defense of their two young guys and the fact that Wiggins still takes the most shots on that team. Um, there's no fucking reason why Andrew Wiggins should be taking the most shots on that team. Um, it, so that would be probably my two biggest concerns. You're, he should be the third guy getting shots on that team. You know, I think Towns is taking right about the amount of shots that he should be taking. Butler should Butler and uh, Wiggins should switch their amount of shots. Um, but you know, that's that's Wiggins' best uh, best attribute is is scoring. So you know, I'm sure they're just still working out the transitions of that. But I think I think uh, Brad Stevens is the obvious pick. But I would <clears throat> I would definitely throw in Thibodeau there as far as um, you know, being uh, being up there in the in the discussion. Um, so let's move on. We got, uh, in fact, we'll transition right into some uh, Timberwolves news. The uh, Los Angeles Clippers reportedly offered the Minnesota Timberwolves uh, Blake Griffin uh, or a package, at least with Blake Griffin, in exchange for Carl Anthony Towns. Um, do you think Tibbs hung up the phone immediately, Joel, or do you think maybe that conversation lasted 30 seconds? <laughs> you can only pick one. I think he grunted. <laughs> I, think, I think he grunted before he hung up, at the very least, you know. <laughs> like a little, a little Tom Hardy, like, grunt, and then just. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, I don't think he just hung up. I think he grunted first before he hung up. He like, uh, and then <laughs> click. And it's just. Uh, I I don't I don't know what to make of that. Uh, why? I, I, fucking Clippers. Uh, they're weird. <laughs> they're weird team. Um, I don't. I wouldn't do the move. Obviously, the Minnesota is hot, hot right now. Even the Clippers are hot now. Why would you even? Why would you even fuck with that kind of shit? So it's probably an older, right. like when they were on their losing streak type of phone call. Like, oh, uh, we're kind of like we need to, we need to do something. <laughs> And they they threw it out there and obviously got reneged on it. And they're like, nah, no, no thank you. But yeah. I definitely wouldn't do the move. Uh, I like Blake Griffin. I like Carl Anthony Towns. I just – you don't move from Carl Anthony Towns right now in Minnesota. You're good right now with him. And uh, you wanted Blake Griffin. You signed him this offseason. You stick to that shit. Like you're not even finished with the season. 
You just start. You just signed him. You should let him know <laughs> that, that was the case. Stupid. Anyway, yeah, well, you, but you want to get you want to get value. Like I I understand it. Yeah, um, I know. Like you want to get I value. Know, I get it. Um, but yeah, I, I I do see what you're saying, um, Juwan. Uh, I I mean, we all know uh, we're all gonna say like if you're the Timberwolves, you don't do this deal. Um, that's that's obvious. Um, but uh, as far as uh, the Clippers, like, do you like what the fuck were they thinking? <laughs> like, like is, is this just like Doc was out one night like partying and was like getting fucked up or something and was just like. Like you know, he's on the West Coast, and I, I imagine Tibbs is like a like an early riser. So you know, it's like four o'clock out in California, and like Doc's partying or whatever. And he's like, you know what? I'm gonna call up Tibbs at six a.m. out in Minnesota. He'll be. I'm gonna offer him Blake Griffin for Carl Anthony Towns. So, I mean, he might do it. <laughs> like, what the fuck's going on? Like, why? Why would you even think that that would that would be something that could be possible? <laughs> Um, I I don't know. Uh, only thing <laughs> I could think of is uh, it was a dare. Someone said, "Hey, I dare you to call up Minnesota and see if they'll take uh if they'll take Blake and send over Carl Anthony Towns." And Doc was like, "Eh, all right, yeah, sure." And that's that's what happened. That, that's the only logical explanation uh, one could give for such an idiotic phone call. I mean, honestly, if I'm the Timberwolves. Uh, I might not answer the Clippers' phone calls again. I mean, if that's what you're calling me for, uh, like that's what you're calling me for? Oh no, 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 don't call me again. That that's it's just honestly idiotic. I I, I don't get what they were thinking. Uh, I don't get. Uh, I don't understand uh, who signed off on it, <laughs> thinking that it was a good idea. But um, yeah, everyone around the NBA is definitely laughing at the Clippers. Uh, for such an idiotic thing, and if I'm Blake, I'm 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 telling them to uh to kiss my butt, most definitely. Like, really, really? That's what you guys are trying to do? I don't know. If I'm Blake, I'm like, like yeah, I'll, I'll go play with Jimmy Butler. Like, <laughs> I'm no, not really I that mean, upset. I will, but it's just it's just like really, like, dang. Okay, yeah. all right, no problem. I wonder if they spoke to Blake. That that's more so what I'm speaking to. I wonder if they spoke right. to Blake first. Like, hey. We're, we're we're gonna try to find you a better home, uh, or if it was just like, yeah, let's see if we could do this like as quickly as possible, and then when they said no, it was just like shit. We hope this doesn't get out to Blake. So you know, I mean, but yeah, it was definitely idiotic, and I have no idea what the brass of uh, the Clippers were thinking. Yeah, well, I'm gonna say this. Um, if, and this is just totally hypothetical. Um, but uh, if Patrick Beverly wasn't hurt and I could get Pat Bev, uh, Blake Griffin, and DeAndre Jordan and give them back Carl Anthony Towns and basically a bunch of uh, bad contracts, sure, I might think about it. If you threw in Lou Williams no. and took back Jamal Crawford, I would do it. <laughs> like, um, I wouldn't say that would be a stupid <laughs> deal for the Clippers. But, like, it, mm-hmm. the thing is, like, uh, if if you get like if you were able to get the kind of defense that DeAndre brings, it, I mean he's he's better defensively than um, than Taj, um, and uh, and a lot better than Carl Anthony Towns. Um, and then if you were able to also get Blake, he could give you the offense 
And then if you if you have if they have a healthy Pat Beverly, um, he's making about five million a year. Jeff Teague's making about nineteen million a year. They're basically the same age. Um, so like that, see that's something that I would have to consider. Um, and I it kind of makes me wonder because they have talked about moving DeAndre Jordan. If those trade talks did indeed include DeAndre Jordan. Um, but the, like the money, it's just almost impossible to make that amount of money work for Carl Anthony Towns, who's on a rookie scale contract. Um, but I don't. The thing is, like, it, I feel like I feel like if you're Tom Thibodeau, it, you're not necessarily saying there's no deal I will take for Carl Anthony Towns, but you're doing what Phil Jackson did when he said that he'd be willing to trade. Kristaps Porzingis, which was basically if somebody wants to make a stupid deal and give me like all of their good shit for one guy, like sure, I'll fucking do it. Um, but like we all know that all of the offers that you know uh, that the Knicks put on the table to other teams for Kristaps Porzingis were offers that those other teams were never going to take. So I feel like that's the ballpark I would be in with Carl Anthony Towns. And and it wouldn't just be like, right. it, and you and my thing is this is if you know that whatever offer you throw out is going to be way too much for the other team and they're not going to accept it, don't even throw out that offer because you know they're going to decline it and you don't want word to get back to Carl Anthony Towns that yeah they were willing to trade you, so yeah so basically with through that roundabout you you know we're all back to where we started. And yeah, if Carl Anthony Towns. You, you shut up. No, we're, we're not trading Carl Anthony Towns. Um, there's just too much value there. There's too much value. And and like I said, even with all those other pieces that I outlined, I was like, we consider it. But you know, DeAndre is 30 years old, and he relies so much on his athleticism. And 30 year old athletes are, you know, that's when you start usually falling off unless you're LeBron James. So. Um, yeah, but anyway, let's move on. Uh, the NBA players and referees are at odds with one another, so much so that Adam Silver is now attempting to mend that relationship. The refs have made some atrocious calls as of late, and the players have been, for lack of a better word, crybabies when any 50-50 call doesn't go their way for a long time now. Uh, what do you, who, or who do you think holds more blame in this situation, players or refs, Joel? I have no idea. A lot of bitching going on in this. <laughs> like, it's so right. annoying. Yeah, I really, I'm tired of hearing about it. Like, I, like, look, the refs fuck up sometimes. There's no doubt. I can't, I can argue to that. Uh, just recently, just now, <laughs> I want to rip someone's face off. But I'm just saying, <laughs> it happens. And then you have the players that overreact all the time. So it's like, right. there's, there's, there's obviously a middle ground there that can be had. Because there's emotional people take things a little bit seriously, and they gotta stop doing that on both sides. Because they gotta just they gotta settle it. Because at this point, like I think Melo wants to fight one of the reps. It just feels that way. <laughs> That's just how it seems like it's going right now. And it's like it's ridiculous. Like it, this is this has been going on for years. Go sit down somewhere, figure it out. You know, I'm just I, I I really don't know what to say. Aside from that. Yeah, uh, I mean, I feel you. I think I, I do think it's interesting because uh, I feel like 
I do I do kind of feel like this is this is like petty uh activity on behalf of the refs who just after after so many years of NBA players crying about every single fucking call like I feel mm-hmm. like this year they're like fine we just won't make those fucking calls anymore and so now you have <laughs> players who are, who are like bitching about not getting the calls that they used to bitch about getting called when they were on defense and and basically, it's like it, it, I'm sure the refs are going to Adam Silver, like, look, we're damned if we do, damned if we don't. We have to call the game consistently. So now we've got all of these these players. Like, there's there's no excuse for missing, like someone stepping out of bounds or you know other things like that. But a lot of times, foul calls are fifty fifty. Like a charge can easily be called a blocking foul. Like yeah, from time to time, it's just there's it's so many times when it's not clear cut. Um, and so, like, when these, these players are driving to the basket and they're not getting calls that, you know, traditionally they would get uh, and they're complaining about it, it's like, but last year you were complaining every time I called a foul on you. Uh, and and so now, like, you know, <laughs> now you're complaining that you're not getting that call. It's like you just can't make them happy. So I think I'm, I think I'm making a, a pretty good case for saying that I, I blame the players a little bit more than the refs. Um, but, Jawan, what do you think about the whole ordeal? I don't necessarily blame either one, but a lot of these rests that they have this season are newer rests. And a lot of these ejections that these players are getting um, are because these rests are establishing themselves. They're, they're, not, they're not like the older guys that would sit there and have a conversation with you to calm down the situation. These rests are very eager to eject you from a basketball game. Uh, so I, I think that the growing pains that these players are having are, all right, well, if you don't give me the call, I should still be able to, like, yell at you about it. And these refs are going, yeah, no. <laughs> like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to accept that, like, at all. I'll just eject you. Uh, we're seeing technical fouls being given out like candy uh, mm-hmm. this year. I, I'd say more so than I, I remember. Um, in, in, in recent years, uh, as far as the foul calls, I'll never blame a ref because a lot of those calls are like could go either way. They definitely could go either way. And I don't care if that's a, a ref that's been there for 40 years or a ref that just started uh, yesterday. Like those calls usually um, are very tricky. I'm more so speaking into how quick these refs, these newer refs are to eject the player because um, if you remember, like, a few years ago with some of the older refs that they had, players would be given, like, a talk. Like, the, he would come over to the ref, he'd be going crazy, the ref would tell him, listen, listen, I'm only going to take but so much. Relax. I hear you. We'll talk about it, you know, if you want to talk about it during a timeout or something like that, we can. These refs, if you get even a little disrespectful, they're teeing you up. They're, they they give no cares whatsoever. So I, I don't necessarily think it's a um, excuse me, uh, much of a blame thing. It's just these are a lot of newer refs that are trying to establish themselves, and they're not for any of the BS that these players are looking to give them. So I don't think it's a blame thing. I think, uh, uh, like you said, Nick, a lot of these calls are, are always going to be fifty fifty. The the ones that are inexcusable are. LeBron didn't step out of bounds, and you have to get that right. That The game was on the line. That referee then dictated that game um, as far as the, the end result of it uh, because of the missed call. So, I mean, just yeah, certain well, things like that. Yeah, well, not when they got right. 
that one they got right. The the one they got wrong was the Milwaukee one. You sure? Because it didn't look like LeBron yeah. stepped out of bounds. No, they and they called him out of bounds. Yeah, he stepped okay. out of bounds. They called they called him out of bounds, and then LeBron tweeted out like uh, like a day later. Yeah, my foot was out of bounds. Like good call, ref. Like I guess you only get away with that if you're in Milwaukee or if you're in OKC or something like that. Right. Because <laughs> of the because yeah, of I the blatant call that they missed there. I think the uh, the growing pains. I don't know if Joel's watching it, but you just saw it with Courtney Lee and the ref. Excuse mm-hmm. me, Courtney Lee looking like he was about to fight the ref. I think it's just it's built well, on frustration. I was frustration about to fight of, the ref, so I bet <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I, he definitely was if we were, Joel. Uh, but, yeah, no, I think the, they need to sit down over all-star break and kind of calm the tension uh, between the two of them because I think it's less about, like, oh, he missed that call, ref, he hit me in the face. Players know there's a lot of times the refs are going to miss that. I think the bigger issue is these refs are very quick to eject these guys from the games, and I think that what's really upsetting these players and why that definitely needs to be resolved. Because if it's not, I don't know what kind of playoffs we have to look forward to. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting for sure. The thing is, like, uh, and and I do want to move on because we still got a couple things to get to. But they they are kind of calling these games like playoff games, like in the middle of the regular season, which is very interesting. Like, um, I mean, usually if you drive hard to the basket and and there's even a little bit of contact in the regular season, like that's a foul. Um, and they ain't calling it like that. But you know what? I, like I said, they've been pretty consistent. Um, I think they're probably just like, well, we're just going to let them play. And so, you know, where they were bitching last year because they, every time they got a foul called on them, they were, you know, get that, that look on their face like, what the hell? Um, now they're bitching because they're, they're feel like they're getting fouled and not being called. So it's a, that's a tough thing to balance in the refs and the players, especially, I mean, the refs in general are just going to have to figure out, um, where to draw that line and where to draw it both, you know, for the regular season and postseason. Um, but let's move on. The first rule about NBA fight club is you don't talk about NBA fight club. <laughs> um, Ben Simmons got into it with <laughs> Kyle Lowry and Yaka Portal on Monday uh, not to be done, the Harden, Paul Ariza, and Green reportedly pushed their way into the Clippers' locker room to confront Blake Griffin and Austin Rivers after their game Monday night. Uh, Griffin was involved with several uh, confrontations on the floor, and Rivers reportedly baited Paul. And this is this I have not heard this confirmed anywhere. Um, I saw it, I saw it on a, a, a basketball pitch that I follow, but. Um, if if it is correct, we are led to believe that he baited Paul by saying he fucked his wife and to come at him after the game. <laughs> um, I, that's fucking wow. over the line, bro. Like you, you don't say that. Uh, but also, some more reports today are that um, obviously they they, they kind of went to like a like a secret uh, passageway in Staples uh, Center um, to to get to the Rockets locker room. Um, and apparently, like, Ariza and Green were the two guys who were really trying to, like, get in there. Um, you know, Blake was obviously very vocal and physical on the court, and Austin Rivers was talking shit from the pinch all game. Um, what do you guys think about this? Just in general, like, if you want to spend time on anything specific, great. But, like, just in general, Joel, I know you got to love this, right? This is amazing. 
<laughs> like, right? I, I don't know uh, when the, I don't know when the '90s decided to come home, but damn, it's been insane. Like, I'm not sure I've seen this type of animosity, and maybe it's just rollover from the refs and their frustration with the refs that they're fighting each other. It's a conspiracy by the refs. Now, um, I just I think it's it's entertaining because you don't. It's just like a domino effect where it started in one area and just. Like, even tonight, there was a little bit of a scuffle. I think they're in that Hornets game. So, it's like, what the fuck is going on right now? Like, everybody wants to beat each other up. Did you see what Aflalo tried to knock out? Uh, Belica, or whatever his name is? <laughs> yeah, Belica. 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 Whatever yeah, it was. Jesus. <laughs> I was like, he's completely, like, threw a haymaker at him. It was like a completely yeah. one shot. Missed completely. But, like, crazy. It's and yet Austin Weaver probably deserves to get his you know face punched in. I have no doubt about that, uh, even if he didn't say anything, in my opinion. But that's just how I feel. Um, I I just I like it, but it's also kind of worrisome because I'm like, where is it all coming from? What 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 is going on? It's it's kind of odd, but also kind of intriguing. So I kind of like it. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Uh, like I don't want anybody to actually get into a fight. Um, like. Right. Honestly, I don't want no suspension you don't, to come out of it. Yeah, yeah like, like at least, and, and more importantly, like, no injuries. Like, you don't want to see, like, a guy, right, like, right, like right. Get, get, especially, like, you know, like, what happened to um, to Portis and uh, Miritich in the offseason. Right. Like, Miritich. that's how we kicked yeah, off the started, season. Right? Like, yeah. Jesus. So, I mean, you don't want to see that happen where, where, you know, somebody has to be out for two months because their face is broken. Um but, like, yeah, and then also, I mean, obviously, KD, like, DeMarcus trying to chase KD earlier this season. Like, oh, right. Um, yeah, and that. if there's one dude in the NBA you don't want to fuck with, I feel like it's DeMarcus Cousins. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, dude, it's been crazy. I love it. I love it because, it's, it, you're, like you said, it's like 90s basketball again, and, you know, these guys are, are, are going at it, and I I have no clue why. Um, the only thing yeah. that I can really think yeah. The only thing that I can really think that how it's related to the refs is because the refs are calling the game so loosely um, that there is like just Maybe, a lot yeah. more contact, and so you know I feel like the refs are letting these games get a little out of control, um, and so I do feel like that's that's kind of a little bit on them, um, and then maybe just because there's been so much rollover and changeover over the past few seasons that there are these, mm-hmm. these guys and these teams and everything else that are just, you know, they just don't like each other, you know, like, um, and, you know, like, I think when it comes to someone like Boogie, like, he just doesn't have any respect for KD. And so, like, if KD's going to try to talk shit, he's going to basically be like, oh, we'll destroy you, motherfucker. Like, I'll, <laughs> I'll take you, Draymond, Steph, bring it up. Like, I'll take all y'all. <laughs> so, um, but, yeah, I mean, I, who knows, man, but it's been, fun. It's been fun to watch. Um, Juwan, what are your thoughts? I love it uh, for one main reason. It's uh, it's showing us what teams we desperately need to make the playoffs because we want to see them face each uh-huh. other over a seven-game yeah. stretch. Like, yeah, I don't come know on, Clippers, get that seven seed. Like, exactly. Clippers, yeah. exactly. first round of the playoffs, like, give it to me. Exactly. So I mean, and, oh, and then guys, by the I way, war, Warriors and Pelicans one and eight. Like, let's get that yeah. too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I'll that say would this. Be crazy. I'm with you guys. 
I'm with you guys. I don't ever want to see anything like Nuggets, Knicks, uh, Mellow, and, oh and those God. guys literally looking to kill. I don't want to see anything like that. But I like it. I just hope they keep the same energy for the playoffs, meaning the intensity, meaning the we're not going to high-five and hug each other before and after the game. This is war. Because I feel like outside of maybe one or two teams from the East and the West, the playoffs over the last few years have been somewhat entertaining, but they lack playoff intensity. And that's mm-hmm. just what I'm desperately looking for. Uh, I think Washington one year uh, during a series showed up in all black talking about, uh, you know, yeah. th- this is it. Yeah, for it's whatever team they were Boston's funeral, yeah. <laughs> right, 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 right. So, I mean, that's just um, – that. That's I want to see teams that are at each other's throat um, during the regular season uh, play each other in the playoffs because we'll finally – get that playoff intensity where we won't see guys hugging and kissing. And we might even get some snippets uh, after the game about how much they didn't like the opposing player. So I just desperately want that. I agree with you, though, Nick. These refs are calling it super loose, that these players are like, all right, hold on, ref. He literally punched me in the face just now, (laughs) and you called nothing. So if we come back up to court and he does it again, I'm killing one of you. So that's what I think a lot of these players are going through, to where they're like, listen, you tell me I can't hit the ref. I'm hitting the player. Somebody has to get hit. Like, I can't get, keep getting punched in the face, and there's nothing happening with this. So I think it is a growing frustration uh, with, with the refs that does translate into them saying, why am I mad at the ref for not making the call? How about you stop punching me in the chest every time I come down the lane? So I do think the players are kind of taking their frustrations uh, that they're having with the refs out on each other when it's just like, wait a minute, we both want these refs to get these things right. You can't be trying to kill me, man. Uh, but like I said, I do hope this translates into a very intense playoff season this year. Hell yeah, like, and it feels like it will. Um, but yeah, I think I think that is a good point too, uh, Jawan. Like, I remember, I, I think it was last season, but it might have been earlier this season, um, where Reddick got fouled and it wasn't called and so he like ran back down the court um and as soon as as soon as the other team got the ball he came up on the guy and just slapped the shit out of his arm uh and like and you can see it they called the foul and he walks over to the refs and he and he basically looks at the ref and he was like i just wanted to make sure like that a foul was still a foul okay so that that's a foul okay so you're gonna call that for me next time all right all right like and I was just like, fuck yeah, JJ. Like yeah, don't take those shit off them. Like, like if if they're not gonna call it for you, go back down, do it, and and make them call it on you, and then say, hey, I want that on the other side. Like I don't have any problem with that, you know. Um, I think that my biggest frustration uh, boils down to with the, with refs in general is or players versus refs in general is I feel like every now and then like you gotta you gotta tell a ref like good call ref like. Yeah, I got fouled. Like, how many how many times do you literally see a guy raise his hand when a foul gets called anymore? Like, almost never happens anymore. Like, sometimes, but not very often. Um, and usually it's, like, it's just a case where, like, a role player is trying to raise their hand to make sure it doesn't get fouled on a star player. Like, it's not really somebody being like, yeah, that was a good call, ref. You know, so yeah, I feel like, I feel like that, that's one way that the players can kind of bail themselves out, too. 
and I feel like that'll go a long way. Um, but yeah, I love it. I love the I love the uh, the, the tenaciousness and um, just everything that, that this season has been. Because at least we get like as shitty as the KD move is, because it, it I mean it's basically created. There's there's 29 other teams in the league. Um, because really our parity is not that bad if you take out the if you take out the Warriors. I mean if 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 the Warriors weren't in the league, uh, then you know we're we're having a lot of different talks about who's going to win who's going to win it all because it's mm-hmm. wide open. Yeah. Um, but because they are, you know, it is what it is. But at least we get some fun regular seasons the past couple couple years, including this one. Um, and yeah, it's I I I agree with you, Juwan. I hope it translates uh, into the playoffs because it's it's fucking I mean, fun to watch. I mean, as much as you guys know, I I, I despise Kyle Lowry. I, I'd have to say, out of all these quote unquote beefs, his and Ben Simmons, I thought was the funniest. Uh, yeah. Not only not only did he, did Ben Simmons go meet me in the hallway, and Kyle Lowry then runs to go meet him up which neither one of them did because obviously security got involved. But uh, yeah. after mm-hmm. the game, he goes, I guess he thought he was somebody. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's like the ultimate form of disrespect. I guess he thought he was somebody, you know, talking to me like that. It was just like, Kyle Larry, who are you? But uh, okay, all right. Yeah, I guess. Um, but, yeah, I will say a, lot of these, a lot of these have been very entertaining. Well, and I will say this: there's like two smaller guys in the league that I would, it, like, no matter who I was in in the association, that I wouldn't want to fuck with, and that's Patrick Beverly and Kyle Lowry. Like, yeah, those guys are are small as far as for NBA standards Crappy. go, but man, scrappy. Yeah, you know, like, and man, like, you gotta watch out for those short dudes, man. Like, they, they don't they don't fight fair. So, like, you. Motherfucker will be like reaching out, grabbing shit, and beating you over the head with it. Like you got, you got to watch it. Um, and not to mention, like Ben Simmons, like yeah, you got reach and everything else. But man, you, you're still young and like don't forget it. Uh, but anyway, I'd still probably take Ben Simmons in that fight. I mean, he is seven feet tall. Yeah, but, I mean, uh, size. Come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, I know. But man, I, hey, like Kyle Lowry though, he's he's a damn pit bull. Um, but let's let's get into our last subject. We got about seven minutes left. Uh, rise and fall, Joel. Who you got on the rise? Who do I have on the rise as a person or a team? Well, I mean, I guess we can open it up. Whatever you want to do, it's usually team. Then. Is it usually team? All right. Yeah. Oh man. Well, oh my God. On the rise. Shit, no person. It doesn't the matter. You want to pick a person. I'm, yeah, okay. There you I'll, go. Go with the, no, I'll, go, I'll go with the Clippers. Clippers are on the rise. Um, I, I had to think about it for a second. I was like, wait, I didn't, I didn't prepare for that part. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, Clippers surprisingly are on the rise. Um, they've been on a little bit of a roll. I don't know what got into them. They have guys uh, playing that I've never heard of uh, to the point where I looked up one of them and they won't even give me his height. I'm like, who is this guy? Um, <laughs> starting too. Uh, let's see if I get his name. Was it Jawan Evans? Yeah, there've been some. No, I know Jawan Evans. I remember them oh, drafting okay. him. This dude didn't even get yeah, drafted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ty- yeah. Tyrone Wallace. That kid. Yeah, yeah, that uh, guy. I have... Yeah, I had no idea. Just a G leaguer, man. Right. G leaguer. And he's starting and playing well for them, by the way. 
Um, talk about fitting in. And that's without Gallinari. I don't know how long Gallinari is going to be out, but the Clippers have been on a roll. And I'm not sure why, um, aside from the fact that Lou Williams has been balling out. And it's just uh, they've been a surprise, and I'm happy for them because uh, I did like them going into the, the offseason. I mean, going into the season because of the I like the team. I like the setup. I just thought, you know, as long as they stayed healthy, they had a chance. Um, and then, obviously, that didn't work out. They got hurt. <laughs> but they somehow managed to pull themselves out of the depths, and they're playing really well. They might be able to, to make that, that one of the bottom playoff spots. So, I guess they're a team on the rise currently that I, I'd watch out for, and I'd probably pick uh, somehow Chicago Bulls or have been little scrappy little bastards recently. So, I, I'd give them a nod, too. Word, word. Um, Juwan, who you got on the rise? Timberwolves. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Okay. All right. Oh, yeah. I Let like it. Quick and to the point. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. <laughs> yeah. Game over. I was, looking at, I was looking at the time. I'm sorry. I was looking at the time. No, you're, you're good. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I like the Timberwolves a lot. They would definitely be uh, one of my picks as well. I'm going to go Indiana. They won three straight. Uh, they just got Oladipo back. They're starting to play well again. Um, since they got him back, uh, they're in sixth place, uh, currently two games out of fourth place, two and a half out of third. Um, I, I definitely think the Pacers, y'all, y'all both know I've liked the Pacers all year, so I, I think they're going to make some, some headway and, and maybe even get a home court advantage slot, um, which I would have never thought at the beginning of the year, but hmm. I also had no idea that Oladipo was going to be balling out like he is. Um, and that some of those other teams, Washington and Milwaukee, would, would be struggling a little bit. So, um, so yeah, I'm gonna take uh, I'm gonna take Indiana, but yeah, Minnesota would definitely be uh, would be my uh, uh, secondary pick, as it were, because um, man, they've they've looked great. I mean, that that Orlando loss was surprising, but other than that, they've looked great lately. Um, all right, who who's falling off uh, for you, Joel? Uh, I, Detroit is kind of falling out of my favor. I like them still, but they've kind of been shaky. And I'm not sure why. Um, they they've been kind of disappointing lately. Uh, they kind of were one of the better teams to start the year. I thought they were at the bottom. I mean, when we were doing our predictions, we had them right under the playoff spot, so not making. I had I don't, I don't even think I had them making the playoffs. I'm not. I forget. I forget, I forget who they were. My choices. But I I like them. I didn't think they'd be that great, but they surprised us to start the year. And so far, they went up and came down. And hopefully, they don't become Orlando. Right. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, Jawan, who you, who you got? Even though they are currently sitting at the five spot, I'm going OKC. That has a record of 25 and 20. Um, as impressive as that sounds, I'm looking at five, six, seven, eight, and the Clippers. Uh, the Clippers at nine. Um, yeah, OKC losing like. I want to say maybe two or three completely swaps, like with like three or four of these guys. Um, they've struggled lately. They they got uh, a couple of wins here and there, but they've just been struggling. Uh, I don't count tonight's win against the Lakers because it's, it's the Lakers, especially without Lonzo. Um, yeah. They've been struggling mm-hmm. to me way more than I thought they would have uh, heading into this season. So until that, that 24 and 20 looks uh, like the Timberwolves, that's 29 and 17, which is super respectable. 
I, I'll I'll have this team on the fall so they can get their record, uh, you know, looking a lot better than it is. Word. Well, if if you know neither of you are gonna say it, I'll say it. Uh, Cleveland, because fuck you, it's January, and that happens to them every January. So, uh, so yeah, Cleveland. I'm sure, I'm sure they'll get it figured out. But a report did come out uh, two days ago that said collectively within in that locker room they are concerned that they may not be able to figure it out this year like they have in years past. Um, no names yep. were attached to this report, um, but. I, I do think there's a credible concern there just because of the, the roster uh, changeover and the fact that they're really old. <laughs> they're just an old team. So uh, so we'll see. We'll see how that will all play out. And um, I will say this, too, uh, just to end, end on this note. How, how funny would it be if, uh, if all my, my theories are true and LeBron really does have it all planned out to go to Houston? And then Houston somehow miraculously makes it out of the West and beats the, the, the Cavs in the finals. Do you think he could go to Houston then? I don't think he could. I think that's the only thing that could stop him from going to Houston. You can't pull a KD, right? You, you, no, you can't no, do yeah. that if you're LeBron. Not respectfully, yeah. no. That's true. Unless he wanted to yeah. be again. I mean, right. I'm yeah. him, well, there you go. With Jordan. Yeah, exactly. Well, no. thank you guys. Yeah, no. Thank you. Thank you guys for uh, for joining us for another episode of Full Court Press. We'll be back next week, same time, same channel, nine o'clock every Wednesday. Join us, join us this Sunday for another episode of Geek Vibes Live. We'll see you then. Peace. Peace. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.